again. Uh, I'm going to need more than that. All right, I'm a former youth pastor, so as a former youth pastor, right, we need uh, participation. So I'm not going to call you out like I would my youth. Um, I'm not going to bribe you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for some participation. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, sometimes bribery was necessary uh, through candy, but I didn't bring any candy this morning. So we're going to have to just, just go with it. Uh, so um, title of the message this morning uh, is, is pretty quick. It's Christians Got Talent. And I know for all you teachers in the room, that's grammatically incorrect, and I understand. Uh, and, and my wife pointed that out pretty quickly, that it was grammatically incorrect. But uh, as she tells me, my grammar's pretty bad because I'm uh, a, a product of New York City public education. So, uh, so she says that's why my grammar's poor. So, uh, but we're going to go Christians Got Talent today. And, and the reason why is, is we'll find out later um, how, how that applies um, to, to what I feel God's placed on my heart uh, this morning. So before we get into it, I just want to issue three warnings, All right? The first one is that we're going to jump around a little bit in Scripture. Uh, we're going we're gonna to jump around a little bit. We eventually are going to settle in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 25, uh, verse 14 through 30. So if you want to f- find it in your Bible, if you actually bought a physical copy of the Bible and it's not on your phone and you want to find it, go ahead and put a marker there. Uh, and we're also going to f- end up in James 1. We're going to re- revisit the scripture that we just kind of prayed over in James 1. Because like I said, I, it is my favorite uh, scripture in the Bible. And I think it has a lot of life applicable meaning um, to us on a, on a daily basis. Uh, second warning is I really don't have three to four main bullet points. I have one. Um, and it's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple word, and the word is serve. Uh, I think, um, you know, and, and, and this is the, the main crux of what I believe God's placed on my heart this morning, is to, to, to truly talk what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ, uh, to, to, to how, how that plays out in our lives, um, and, and kind of hopefully knock down some misconce- preconceived notions of, of I can't do it or why we can't do it, and really start to put some... Um, some actions to, to the word that we talk about every week. And the third warning is right. I told you I'm a former youth pastor. So we're going to be a little interactive at times. Uh, try to keep you all awake so you don't fall asleep on me. Uh, so we're going to start really easy with the quiz. All right, so what's the name of the series we're in? Straight from the heart. Okay, what what pastor are we talking about last week? Uh, what was that? Come on. I'm not going to tell him no one remembers at all what he talked about last week. Battles, thank you. Okay, spiritual battles, right? Robbie's talking about how to overcome spiritual battles in our life. And as he was, as he was uh, talking last week, it got me thinking about what I was going to share this week. You know, because part of the message was how do we overcome battles, right? And I firmly believe that serving is a way to overcome battles we're going through in our life, right? It's really easy, and it's funny because this morning uh, I had a conversation in the lobby. It's really easy when things are going tough to want to crawl into our own shell and loathe in the self-pity or things not going great and I just don't want to do anything. But I believe that God calls us during the midst of battles to to continue to serve, right? And, And there's been plenty of times in my life when, Going through, going through battles, going through different things in life, that through serving others, be it in the church or even outside the church, you know, it's helped me get through the battle. So I hope you see that, that serving is, is one way to, to work through your battles. So when Pastor Robbie asked me about three months ago to speak today, I kind of began to pray on 
on what God wanted me to share this morning. And I asked him at the time, are we going to be in the middle of a series? He told me no. I could pretty much talk about whatever I want, which in one way is good, but in another way there's no direction, so it's pretty much wide open to whatever, whatever I feel God wants me to share. But then as we got closer, I saw that we were finishing the Straight from the Heart series, and it's very uh, apropos because what I'm going to share this morning are convictions that God's placed on my heart uh, throughout the course of my life. And, and I'm going to give you a little background on how it all started. So, so a lot of this is straight from the heart. We're going to get to some scripture. Um, but, but the beginning part is kind of where, how I, how God changed me and, and how I am where I am right now. But before I get into what he's placed on my heart, just want to issue kind of this disclaimer that for all of this to make sense, right, you need a personal relationship with Christ. If you don't have that relationship, some of the stuff we're going to talk about is, is not going to make any sense um, to you. Because it's very, what we're going to talk about is very selfless, right? It's putting the needs of others above yourself. And it's, it's truly just being his hands and feet. So if you don't have the personal relationship with Christ, I just, well, I'd like to remind you and invite you that, as, as Blake talked about this morning, the care room is open, right? And there's somebody in there who, who wants to pray with you and a- answer any questions that you have. So please feel free at any time during the message or even after church to, to go in there and, and talk to someone about what that means and what that looks like to have, have a personal relationship with Christ. All right, so how did I get or how did God uh, kind of mold me um, during the course of my life to, to kind of get where I to get where I am and, and, and how I, I truly try to live my life every day? So like I said, I, was, I grew up in Staten Island, New York. Uh, my dad's a pastor. My wife says pastor's kids are the worst. Um, I don't know why, but I think I was pretty good. But uh, so, and so we grew up in New York City. So it was not uncommon for me to get up in the morning and my dad to be sitting on our front porch with a homeless person talking. Because our church was right next to the train station. Our house was right next to the church. So by proxy, they went to the church. No one was there. They come under our front porch. Mom loved that. Um, when people just knock on our door, it's just talking in the morning. But... Dad would be there all the time. And one would think that that would create kind of a soft spot in my heart for, for those that, that are less fortunate or homeless. But what it did, it was exactly the opposite. Right? My heart was hardened toward these people. Right? You know, I, I, I just didn't know. You know, I looked at them as just lazy or, you know, drunks addicted to drugs, they didn't want to help themselves, and that's, that, was my, that was my life view. You know, as I was preparing this message, I kind of got a, a regretful of all the opportunities that I missed with this attitude. There's opportunities that God put in my path every day to, to influence people with this attitude. And obviously, I can't change the past, right? But thankfully, because God's mercy, I can change the future and how I live presently. And in August of 2008, God began to change my life. See, in the spring of 2008, Ashley and my wife and our two boys, who were five and four months old at the time, uh, they're now 16 and 11, so it was a good bit of time ago. We were attending a church here in Greenwood, um, and we were serving in the church. You know, we we were helping vacation Bible school, doing all that stuff you do. Remember, a solid small group. We were giving. We were going to church every Sunday. And, and, and we were living the, the comfortable life of being a church member. 
during the course of that time, God began to speak to me and go, there's something more. Right, there's something more. And I ignored it for a long time because, like I said, we were comfortable. Right, we, we enjoyed where we were going to church. You know, we, we were doing what we thought we needed to be doing. And just the idea of moving to church was, was, not, was not something that we wanted to do. So we were really comfortable. But God kept on just kind of hammering on my heart that it was, I got something else, more, something else in store for you. Something else bigger than, than you right now. So with some fear, I talked to my wife about it. Because right? as a husband, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote spiritual head of the household. Yeah, me and my wife do everything together. Right, but as a spiritual head of household, you know there's some fear there to move your entire family to move churches from someplace you're really comfortable. And I'm sure a lot of you sitting in here this morning had the same fears. I mean, I know, I know you know we did when we started um, attending Legacy. You know, moving from comfortability to something that's uncomfortable. But Scripture is filled with stories of God's people who live an uncomfortable life. Right? The Scripture never says a Christian life is going to be a comfortable one. So with fear, I told my wife that I felt like God was telling us to move. And you know what she said? I'm feeling the same thing. Right? And that was a huge sigh of relief for me. Right? God was speaking to her at the same time he was speaking to me. Right? There's nothing better than when God confirms what he wants you to do through other people. So we began the firm process of church shopping. I don't think there's anything else I'd rather be doing than not church shopping. Uh, so, but we began the process. I can't tell you how many churches we went to and how many times in the first five minutes of sitting down in the church, we go, yeah, this isn't us, but we still persevered and, and we kind of, we kind of rolled through it because we're not going to get up five minutes in, right? So we're going to stay. And, uh, it kind of reminded me of what Pastor Robbie was talking about last week, you know, and for, for James 1, 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because, you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I mean, we talk about battles. It was a battle. I mean, it, was, it would have been so much easier for you to throw our hands up and go, yeah, we're just going to go back to where we were going. Right? It was comfortable. We, we were enjoying things. But we, we persevered on. And to think about now what we would have missed or had missed how God had changed not only my life, but the life of my wife and my kids through, through, through being obedient to his word. So... Finally, we landed at Hope Fellowship in Anderson, South Carolina. Hope Fellowship was, it wasn't a quote-unquote normal church. Uh, it's quite funny how we're here now and quote-unquote we would, people say this is not a quote-unquote normal church. Because we were in a strip mall between Circuit City and Books a Million on Clemson Boulevard in Anderson. Both businesses are out of business, right? The church is not. The church is still thriving. But... What God did during our time there is he used that church to change my life. I mean, we had very few qualifications for the church. It had had drums. That was it. It had to have drums for us to go in the doors, right? So, so the church had drums, so great, we're going to go. So we walk in the door. Church has got drums. The message is great. And then they talk about next week before church, we're going to serve biscuits and gravy. I was like, yeah, we're coming back next week. All right, so, so the biscuits and gravy bought us back. I mean, I'm a Yankee, right? I grew up in the U.R. North. We don't, biscuits and gravy is not something that we eat up north. 
my wife tells me all the time I was born in the wrong part of the country because I love southern food. But so thankfully I married a southern girl, probably much to my mom's chagrin, and never moved back up north. But biscuits and gravy bought us back. But there we learn 1 John 4, 7. It says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And at Hope, we met Ben. And Ben, give me the bike. You see, Ben was a homeless, homeless man. He was at church every Sunday. He was the first one there every Sunday. He just changed, God used him to change my heart. Ben was our family, and we were Ben's family. And Ben never asked for anything. He'd come to church, he would eat breakfast, and who knows when the last time he ate before that meal was. And he would talk to people. And, and I like to think that part of the reason why Ben kept coming back is because he felt normal. And through time, me and Ben shared plenty of meals together. We fixed his bike, or at least I helped buy supplies for him to fix his bike, because me, I'm not very handy to fix bikes. But he knew what he was doing, fixed that bike. And we just grew, grew together. And, 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 and God changed me through Ben. Ben, when Ben passed away, he did so laying in front of the doors to our church. So we, this picture was taken of Ben's bike. And, I mean, obviously you see the Hope sticker, but, I mean, this was everything that Ben owned. And the Hope has now since moved. They're in a different church building. But when you walk into the lobby of Hope Fellowship, there's a mural of this picture. To, as a constant reminder of what happens when we're obedient to God's word and we serve and we love others. And we truly are his hands and feet. Right, so, so Ben changed my life. And God began to soften my heart. And they were no longer these people. Right? They were no longer homeless. Right? They were displaced individuals. They, ben would bring friends to church with him periodically. And just to get to know his, his friends, you know, and to hear their stories, right, God was just working, just hammering on my heart that you need to change an attitude. Softening my heart to, to be his hands and feet, to show love to all people. Right, this is what he means in James 1, 22 through 26. Again, I'm going to read it again because I feel like it's so important to the message this morning. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. 
All right, the message translation says this, and, and I like the message translation for some things, I think, uh, because it puts it in a really um, simple language. It says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener. We are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. It's simple, right? Act on what Scripture tells us to do, right? It would have been so easy for, for Ben to stop coming to church, right, to stop coming to Hope Fellowship every week. But because of the way that we loved Ben, and I'm not saying this to, to tout what we did, but just the way that we are obedient to God's word, he kept coming back. You know, he kept coming back. He had no family. His, his, his ashes are actually in the pastor's office still at Hope Fellowship, again, as a constant reminder to what, to what God did for, for our church. So, listen, so the difference between listening and hearing, right, is very easy. And you know, and I do it too as a, as a married man. Sometimes your wife's talking to you, and you're just going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you have no idea what she's saying. And then you get in trouble because like an hour later she goes, hey, what do you think about what we talked about an hour ago? And I'm going, I don't know what we talked about an hour ago. All right, but so there's a difference between listening and hearing, right? Hearing is I hear, what you, I, I hear you, but it's going in one ear and out the other, right? The question is, are we listening? Right, when you ask somebody, how are you doing, do we really want an answer? Right, or are we just expecting the pat answer of I'm doing good? Right, and we're not listening for the intent or the tone of, of the answer. Right, because we really don't want to hear the frustration or we don't want to hear the hurt or we don't want to hear the confusion because we really don't know what to do with it. Okay, and that's where I think we, we, we have it wrong because we think we don't know how to handle it. We think we don't have the talent to handle it. Right, so... Again, our actions must reflect our words, right? And I'm not saying here that actions are a requirement to get to heaven, right? Scripture is pretty clear about that. What I am saying, though, is that if we are truly following God, if our heart is truly following God, our actions become a natural byproduct of following God. It becomes what we want to do, not just something that, we're, that, that we just want to do, check off the box. Right? So serving becomes a natural byproduct of, of following God. Right? To repeat the old saying, actions speak louder than words, or this is one of my favorite quotes. This is St. Francis of Assisi. And he says, preach the gospel always. When necessary, use words. Right? People should see whose life, who you follow, and how you live your life. It's like with kids, right? You know they're being obedient with how they, what they do, not what they say. Right? Our actions speak way louder than our words do. So, but here's where the rubber meets the road, right? So we know what we're supposed to do. We know what scripture tells us to do. But then why is there this? Give me the number. Anybody know what this number represents? Anybody want to take a guess what this number represents? Homeless people not in Greenwood, though. It's a good guess. It's not that many. It is a number of homeless people in South Carolina. I didn't look it up. I'd like to know how many churches are in the state of South Carolina. 
So if we know what we're supposed to do with the word, my question is, why are there that many? The South Carolina Interagency Council on Homelessness, they say this in their, in their mission statement to try to, to try to end homelessness. This is a quote. It says, we need faith-based partners and our community groups to consider how they can provide mentoring and moral support to struggling neighbors. Ending homelessness in our community will require all of us working together. Right? They say nothing about money. Right? They don't say they need more money to end homelessness. Right? They need faith-based groups mentoring, providing moral support. It's more than just writing a check. Right? So, so again, God places on my heart. This is convictions that he's placed on my heart, especially since August 2008. We're called to do this as Christ followers. We're called to be his hands and feet. The question is, why don't we? Right? And I, and I think... I think a lot is because we don't think we have the talents to do it. But I think if you watch the show America's Got Talent, which I've, I've never seen a whole show. I, I know the premise of it. For those of you who don't know it, you, people go up there with talents. Some think they have more than others. And the judges say if they're going to move on to the next round or not. But watch this clip of what was on the show this past week. Hello. Welcome to America's Got Talent. What's your name? I'm Cody. Hi, Cody. I'm Cody. How old are you? I am 22 years old. Yeah. Who are you, miss? Who are you? I'm mom. Oh, I'm hi, Tina mom. Lee. Hi, hi Tina. Hi. How are you? So, what are you going to do here for us today? I'm going to sing a song for you on the piano. I love it. <laughs> Tina, tell us a little bit about Cody. Cody is blind and autistic. Oh. Wow. We found out that he loved music really early on. He listened and his eyes just went huge. And he started singing. And that's when I just, I was in tears, because that's when I realized, oh my gosh, he's an entertainer. So, yeah. through music and performing, he was able to withstand living in this world. Because when you're autistic, it's really hard mm -hmm. to do what everybody else does. It actually has saved his life playing music. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we'd love to hear you. Go for it. You ready? I'm ready.
tears in my life in time. I've sung a lot of songs and I made some bad ones. I've acted out my life in stages. Ten thousand people watching, yeah. We're alone now, and I'm singing this song to you. I love you in a place where there's no space or time. I love you from my life. So I've, like I said, I've never seen this show until this week, and when I watched this clip, I was like, that's that's amazing, right? And I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, I got to use that this Sunday, too. The video goes on for a couple more minutes, but we're running out of time here before my tongue gets red. Uh, so I think the thing is, it, how can Cody do this? Right, he's autistic and blind. Right? I love Simon Cowell's face because he's probably going, this is going to be awful, right? And then... Not so much, right? So, so how can Cody do this? I think pretty simply is he has obviously very talented, but he has confidence in the talents that he was given. Right? He, doesn't, he doesn't linger on what he doesn't have. He doesn't linger on the fact that he can't see and he has autism. autism. He lingers on, he focuses on the fact that he has these great musical talents and he has significant confidence in, in what they're doing and what he's doing. So I want you to do this for a second. Take, close your eyes for a second. Nothing weird. Just close your eyes. Okay. So think about what you did yesterday or Friday, either way. Imagine that your entire day was performed on a stage, and not, and not in front of judges, but one judge, the only true judge. Are you liking what you're seeing? Did you show his love all day? Or did you walk or drive right past someone who needed help because you didn't have the time to help? Did you leave the sink full of dishes? Did you spend more time on your phone than playing with your kids or paying attention to your spouse? You know, if we're being honest with each other, I think a lot of times we go through life and we, you can open your eyes if you haven't already. If we go through life and we, we don't take the time, right? We don't take the time to serve. We don't take the time to be his hands and feet. The great thing is, if you didn't do the job that you wanted to do yesterday, God gives you another day today to do it. All right, the blood of Christ has cleansed us. All right, so 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 is pretty clear on the idea because people say, I don't, I don't have any talents, right? Well, we all have talents. 1 Peter 10 through 11 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You see, it doesn't say if you have a gift, right? It says use whatever gift you have received. We all have gifts, right? Verse 11 continues, it says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Who gives us the strength? God, right? It's not me. 
right? More gets done when I get out of the way. And I allow God to give me the strength to do it. All right, so let's turn to uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Lord, it's going to be up on the screen behind me. Okay, Matthew says this. It says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even with what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right? In this, in this part of scripture, who is the master? Christ, right? God. Jesus, Jesus is the master. Right? Who are the servants? Us, right? Are we talking about money here, really? No, we're really not talking about money. I mean, we could be. But really we're talking about, I, so I, I like the word talent in, 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 the, in the NIV version because we're talking about what God's given us, right? God's given us all talents, right? It's pretty simple to sit here and go, yeah, I can't do that, right? I used to think there's no way I'd ever be up here doing this because, heck, I don't have enough scripture memorized, right? I'm not that person who, who can spout off a verse of scripture for every situation, right? Or I can't do whatever, I can't, I can't lead somebody to Christ because what happens if I screw it up, right? What happens if I say the wrong thing? But what I have realized through the course of, of this journey with God is that, yeah, while I might not have the talents to do X, somebody else does, right? And it's, it's my job as a Christ follower to direct the person to that person who has that talent. All right, so while I might not have the talent to do one thing, God's given me talents to do other things. Right, so I can't focus on what I don't have. I need to focus on what I do have. Right, so my oldest, Matthew, gave me a, a, a quote for this morning, and it's pretty applicable. It says, if a fish spends its whole life determining its worth by its ability to climb a tree, then it will always think it's worthless. Right, if I focus on what I can't do, I miss what God's given me the talent to do. And too often, I think we, and myself included, 
We focus on, I can't do this because I don't know how to do it. Instead of relying on the strength of God to do it. All right, so think for a moment. Write it down, put it in your phone, whatever you want. What are your talents? Okay, what are your talents? Now, the answer can't be I don't have any because we just talked about how we all have talents. All right, so what are yours? The better question then is what are you doing with those talents? That's the more important question. It can't be because there aren't opportunities. Right? There's 3,933 homeless people in the state of South Carolina. Right? And that's not the only people that we're called to serve. Right? So there can't be that there aren't opportunities. Right? We, we provide plenty of opportunities within our church body anyway. Right? We have Pathway House. Right? We're cooking and caring for others. Right? We have Second Sunday Serve. Right? We have to have the, the willingness to be flexible because it's going to change every month. We have Habitat. Pretty much anything they need us to do. Right? Habitat's a great way to learn how to do house projects, not in your own home. Right? We learned how to floor, which is probably not a good thing because now my wife wants to refloor. So, but you learn skills that you can do. Right? If, if prayer is your talent, right, we have the care room. If, if you really like to work behind the scenes, right, we have load-in, load-out teams. Right, we have the hospitality room if, 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 you have, if you have that outgoing personality. Right? We have kids' ministries. Right, obviously, you have to like kids to want to work in kids' ministry. Right? We do Teacher Appreciation Week. Right, for those that help, thank you. The teachers appreciated it because the next week, they called my wife, and they said, hey, come to school, pick something up. And the teachers made this for us as a thank you for all the gifts that we gave for Teacher Appreciation Week. Okay, now we don't do things for, for God to get a reward, to get appreciation, to get a slap on the back. Does it feel good when we get it? Without a doubt. Because we're reaching people. Something simple, we're reaching people. Okay, we're changing people's lives. Right, so obviously there's a ton of opportunities so why are we? What are the excuses? Time. I don't have the time to do it. It's not you don't have the time. It's where are you prioritizing your time. Money. It's not his anyway. Right? And trust me, I, this one probably tugs at me the hardest, the money thing. Right? Because as... You know, I always need to feel like I need, need to financially support and, and my, my family. But this is where God's funny because he balances me with my wife, who's a very giving person. Um, so we work out well that way. Fear. Again, the fear of, I, I don't know what to do. Well, yeah, you probably don't, but he does. And he just wants to use you. All right, someone else will do it. Well, that someone else is probably you. Okay, so just do it. Just say what Nike says. All right, I have kids. This is my favorite one. I have kids. There's no more important lesson I try to teach my boys than to be servants of God, right? 
we, we uh, long story short, there's an organization in Anderson called the Lot Project. It stands for the least of these. Um, it's in downtown Anderson. It services the displaced uh, families in Anderson. There's clothes, there's food, there's whatnot. Our church, we used to uh, provide a meal every uh, twice a month. We would bring our kids, and there was nothing better. Again, they were a lot younger than they are now. But there's nothing better than watching our boys sit on the floor playing with kids they don't know. Right? It teaches them life lessons that, that I can't teach them. Right? And it's not convenient. And that's my favorite because I'm pretty sure it wasn't convenient for Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Right? So, so we have to take these excuses out of the equation. So my question is, where are you? We have plenty of opportunities to serve, to be his hands and feet. We are commanded in scripture to be doers of the word. So then why do we have six people picking up trash last month for second Sunday service? Why is it pulling teeth to fill kids ministry teams or fill hospitality teams? Why do we have to beg to get people to come to Habitat? Why are the same people cooking meals every month for Pathway? It's a mindset change. We need to rest in his word. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to beat you over the head with it. My wife said be easy on him. Um, but, I mean, this is what God's placed on my heart. I mean, our fifth core value is this, you know, and, and it. And it's on our website, but it's to serve God and his city. Right? If you look on our website, the scripture that immediately follows it is Matthew 25, 34 through 40. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. This passage of scripture comes right after the parable of the talents. Right after God's telling us to use his talents that he's given us to do his work. And God backs it right up with this fifth core value of Legacy City. Let me close with one more story. From the book called Starving Jesus, uh, it's, I probably read this book like four times. It was written by uh, two pastors who started the Triple X Church in Las Vegas. Uh, it's J.R. Gross and, and Craig Mahan. And their whole mission is to pull adults, uh, uh, actors and actresses, out of the adult film industry. They're based smack in the middle of Las Vegas. But here's the intro to their book. It says, we were in Dallas one weekend uh, giving a porn talk. Afterward, a few of the pastors and their wives who had listened to our talk invited JR and me to lunch. Never turned down a free lunch. 
I was sitting across from one of the pastor's wives. She was a great lady with a wonderful personality, but she just didn't get it. JR explained to those at the table how we had helped a porn star get out of that business and raised $14,000 to help get her life together. It was a rewarding and wonderful example of how God works when people step forward to help others. To know God had used us to help this woman find redemption and start a new life in Christ was a great and humbling testimony for us to share. This nice, southern, evangelical Christian pastor's wife looked across the table with her beautiful smile and well-intentioned life and stopped the gospel dead. She said, no matter what you or others do, God would have taken care of it if he wanted it done. It doesn't matter if you give her money or not. God would have taken care of it if he wanted. My jaw hit the table as she finished her sentence and smiled at us as she had just dispensed the greatest Christian wisdom since Christ hung on the cross. I grabbed for my coffee cup and silently prayed, Lord, don't let me kill this lady. So basically, it's okay to look the other way when we see others in need, I asked politely. She said with smug righteousness, if God wants something done, he will do it. J.R. buried his fork in his napkin, which was translation for, Lord, don't let me kill this lady. I leaned forward and I said, if we all adopted that way of thinking, then the Bible becomes a moot point. Yes, God can do anything. He doesn't need us. But he wants to use us. We are called to be doers of the word. So I'm going to give you the first opportunity to put this into action. Next Sunday, for second Sunday serve, we're hosting a cookout, a pathway for the combined men's and women's houses. We just need you to show up. We don't need money. Church is going to purchase, provide all the food. We just need hands and feet. We need you to be there to, to, to build relationships with the residents of the Pathway House. To spend time with them. To realize that they are God's creation as well. And they just need to feel loved. So the challenge is sign up. Go to our website. Forge in a tab. Let's have a huge turnout. And let's continue to put um, his word into action. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for your love for us. Lord, we thank you for who you are in our life. We thank you, Lord God, for the, for the, for the reminder, Lord God, that your word is, is, is a living word, Lord, and it's intended to play out in how we live our lives. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to be people who seek you and to do your work and to be doers of the word. Help us, Lord God, to, uh, to praise you this morning as we exit. In your prayer.